Hi, this is Aliza Licht, and this is Leave Your Mark, the podcast, where I brew fresh career advice with some of my most inspiring and successful friends. It's professional advice that you can action immediately, whether you're just starting out in your career or well on your way. With a massive to-do list and a large cup of coffee, I promise that you can get it all done and still have time to post about it. So Leave Your Mark, Freshly Brewed Career Advice is obviously a podcast that delivers freshly brewed career advice every Sunday. But this particular episode is especially chock full of career advice because I'm excited to welcome Catherine Fisher, who is Vice President of Integrated Data and Consumer Communications for LinkedIn to the show. Catherine, I'm so excited to have you on. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And I love your podcast, by the way. Thank you so much. For everyone listening, Catherine is an established marketing and communications leader. She has worked for some of the most notable consumer brands with more than 20 years of experience. And Catherine, in your current role, you lead consumer communication strategy for LinkedIn, and you also serve as the company's spokeswoman, educating and inspiring people on how to think about and grow their career. And I'm sure some of you who have been listening have seen Catherine on shows such as Today, Good Morning America, CBS Mornings. Catherine, you're always sharing insights on how to manage your career. And of course, prior to LinkedIn, you had an illustrious career with some major brands, including One King's Lane, also Netflix and eBay. I mean, the list goes on. So Catherine, I know you're going to share amazing advice and insidery information since you are part of the LinkedIn infrastructure. Yes, yes. So first and foremost... It's a new year. Yes. The world is nuts. People are looking for jobs left and right. People are bored of their jobs, looking for jobs. There's so many different scenarios that can make someone want to seek a new role. So off the bat, what's the most important thing for a job seeker to think about right now? It's a good question. And can I just say, why is it that every year we think like this year will be really easy? And then <laughs> you start the year and you realize, nope, not going to be. Um, so I would say what is really important as people are looking at kind of what's happening in the headlines and how they're feeling about work, maybe they've also been working remote or hybrid and they're thinking, do I go back to the office or what? It's really less about that current job that you have, which is very important. And we should talk about that. But it's that resilience of carrying your career. So it's trying to get out of this mind frame of it's the job today and more about how is this job going to serve me in the long run and how can I get the most out of this? How do I really build that resilience? And I think that, you know, what the last few years has really taught us is that you do need some resilience in this market. But what about the idea of pedigree? Like I grew up in fashion and brand recognition and what you had on your resume made a huge impact in how you were perceived, right? So the idea Mm -hmm. of like, not just taking any job, but really making sure that your next move continues the narrative that you're trying to build. How important is that today? During COVID, we found that some of the sectors were really hurting for employees. So like healthcare, whereas other industries like 
travel, for example, or entertainment, they were really obviously shedding jobs. And so some industries couldn't find employees, other industries were laying people off. And so some of these companies realize, you know, it doesn't really matter what industry you come from, what matters are what the skills that you have. And I think that's the big shift. It's less about that what company did you come from before? Oh, I'm going to hire from that company or I'm going to hire from that school. And it's more about, will you be successful in this job? And what experience have you gathered across your years that will really make you the best person for this job? So that's a big difference. And that's how you build your pedigree through skills. I totally agree. So it seems like many people are doing what LinkedIn has coined as career cushioning. And I will admit, when I first heard this term from Margie Cater, who works with you all on PR, I was like, does it involve a couch? Does it involve Netflix? Does it involve sitting around? Because I would love to participate in career cushioning. What is career cushioning, Catherine? Think of it as an insurance policy. It's making sure that you are really thinking about what you need. You're always ready to go when you need to. It's kind of like in fashion, you always need that little black dress. Hell yeah. It's kind of the same with your career. Like you always need to be ready to go. So that is thinking about how is my network? Do I have the skills? Do I understand what skills are needed in the jobs that are of interest in me? Even though if you have no intention of leaving, it's really kind of making sure that you have that insurance policy so that if something does happen or if an opportunity does come your way, that you're ready to go. So how often do you do that gut check with yourself? Like how often should people be like reviewing their resume, making sure their LinkedIn page is up to date? It's just like as your career is always evolving, so should your LinkedIn profile. So anytime you have a promotion, obviously a job change, or if the role has changed, really making those tweaks, it's much easier to do it in the moment as opposed to, you know, when you sit down and you're like, okay, I have to write out a resume from scratch. Like that's really hard. But if you're in there constantly... And really, you know, in the moment, making those shifts, that's important to do. I think in terms of like, when do you know that it's time to really kind of buckle up and start building out that network, et cetera, that's the same thing. You should always be tapping into your network because you also don't want to all of a sudden just reach out to all of your contacts and ask for help if they haven't you know, heard from you in five years. And so there's, you know, people don't like that. So I think it's really important to always be nurturing your network. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're spending hours every week taking people out to dinner. It's really simple gestures. It's checking in on people. It is making a list of like every week, I'm going to reach out to five people. It's kind of those bite-sized pieces so that it's easier to manage. Getting people out of the mindset that it's like once a year, I need to go do this thing. It really should be fluid. It should be all the time. I mean, it's an always-on strategy is your point, and I totally agree. So everyone keeps on talking about this recession coming our way, and obviously there's tons of economic uncertainty, but yet LinkedIn's new survey has found that most professionals feel really confident in their career prospects. Why? Why are people (laughs) confident? (laughs) What is making them confident? 
Yes. It's really because people have built this resilience. You know, you saw it come about during COVID when, I mean, all of a sudden everything was turned on its head and how you interview for a job, look for a job, you know, everything was just changing, like companies going into remote, hybrid, et cetera. What's happened is that people have just become more resilient with their career. And I think what's exciting about that is that we also know that, you know, there's always going to be dips and high points and low points in everyone's career, in every economy. So it's kind of back to that career cushioning. It's that people have learned that you have to always be prepared. And I think that it's such a good lesson. And it's also kind of takes you away from being in that like, you know, single-minded, I'm going to do this job. And this is the only thing I'm going to be doing for the next five years. And it kind of opens you up so that you have, I think, just a brighter outlook in terms of what is possible. We're also seeing that there's great interest in internal mobility. So something that I always recommend to people is if you're feeling a little restless in your role, don't automatically just look outside. Look internally, have those conversations. Now, you know, depending on the relationship you have with your manager, if you're comfortable, you can start having conversations about like, these are some of the skills that I want to acquire. Are there opportunities to learn those skills? Maybe that could happen in the current role that you have, or is there internal mobility before you just kind of go outside. So I think that the resilience is really refreshing and it's really what's going to give people the confidence that they're going to want to have in these, you know, economic uncertain times for sure. That's great advice. And it's interesting because despite what's happening right now, despite the layoffs that we're seeing, there's no shortage of people asking for raises either. Right. So is this the time to be bold? Is this the time to go in and be like, you know what? Well, I do a great job and I deserve a raise regardless of what's falling down around you. <laughs> well, I definitely think it's reading the room. <laughs> so, <laughs> good, good advice. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I think, you know, it's a combination of really kind of understanding where the company is, like what their financial health is. If they've given you signals that, listen, raises aren't going to be coming, you probably don't want to be asking for a raise at that time. But if you feel like the company continues to thrive, and, and also one thing I want to point out is that there's some industries doing really well. Like we see a lot of headlines in the tech industries. And so people tend to gravitate towards those, but other industries are doing okay. And so you may be in a position where your company's doing great and you should always be selling yourself. If you are going to ask for a raise though, just make sure that you're going in there with concrete examples of why you think that you deserve that raise. Try not to compare yourself to other people. Focus it on what you have done and the impact that you've had on the business. So I think that, yes, read the room and make it an easy decision for your manager. Really kind of tell your story. I could not agree more. Um, my next book on brand is coming out April 18th. And LinkedIn is one of my top 10 personal branding commandments, having an all-star LinkedIn page. And I have been a power user for many, many years. And I feel like the pandemic made people really pick up their LinkedIn presence, but I was doing it way before then. So I, I definitely feel like an early adopter. But what would you say as the resident expert is the best way to network on LinkedIn? 
There are several ways. For one, you want to have a presence. So thank you. And it's like what you put in, you get out. And some people are shy. They don't want to be out there posting all the time. And so think about it as baby steps, right? You can like a post. You can comment on a post. You don't have to be writing really long stories and posting those. Um, Take a look at the people that you admire in their careers. It's great for that content that's really important for you to learn and grow. And then as you become more comfortable and you want to start sharing, you know, the content, it's really thinking about your audience. Like, who are you connected to? Will this be valuable to them? Am I providing insight and really connecting with who your followers are? But it can be as simple as just commenting on other people's posts that will bring you up. And then what you'll start to see is it's very simple. You're having a conversation with people, but that's my advice. If people are feeling like they're stuck and not sure where to start, that's where to start. And what about if you're actively searching for a job? What Mm -hmm. are the tried and true ways? Like you see a post on LinkedIn, you're like, okay, that's the job for me. What steps should someone take before they apply for that job? So I think before you even see that, the way you saw that, hopefully, is that you've set up your job alerts. It's really important to set up those job alerts. You're actually four times more likely to hear back from someone if you're one of the first people to apply within 10 minutes. Ooh, love that. Yeah. And so you'll get job alerts. Just be ready to go. The other thing you can do is put on your profile photo, something called open to work. So that signals to recruiters that you're available for work. One of the good uh, things that came out of COVID was that this stigma of being out of work has slowly gone away. So people you will find are talking about having been laid off or they're looking for a new role. People are there to support you. So don't shy away from that. If you have found a role that you're going to apply for, obviously go through the steps for applying, but something that's really cool about LinkedIn is that you can see if you know have any connections who work in the job. Like if you can look at your connections, you can see who you're connected to, obviously who works at that company, or if they're connected to anyone who works at that company. And that's kind of the beauty of this community. And that's when you would reach out to someone, you know, to ask their opinion on getting the role. I think what's really important though, is if you're going to reach out, be really specific about what you're asking for. We all get lots of emails and people ask, questions, they want to meet with you. And you're more likely to respond if someone says, can I take 15 minutes of your time? I have these three questions. You want to make it easy for the person on the other end, basically. So that is one of the great ways to really leverage LinkedIn in your job search. I love the idea of being really specific about your ask. Yes. And saying something like, I have three simple questions for you, or even maybe just DMing. I would love your insight into this. I think that's great. You said that employers are looking for new hires with more soft skills and focusing less on where candidates went to school. So how do you showcase those soft skills on a resume or even on LinkedIn? Yeah, we're seeing that. I think it is it 50% of recruiters are looking for candidates by their skills. So really showcasing those skills is important. And so think of like hard skills is the job and the soft skills is how you do it. There's a couple ways that you can really show that up in your profile, like whether it is in your profile section, you can talk about how you like to lead, like leading, leadership, communication, teamwork. Those are some of the really sought after 
soft skills. Um, kind of like when you're asking for the raise, you want to be a storyteller. You want to make sure that you're really painting the picture of how you've applied those soft skills and how it's led to impact in your job. So it's not just, I'm really good at communicating or I'm really good at problem solving. It's really showing an example of when you have problem solved and how that led to increased revenue, better sales, more efficiency, et cetera. So finding those anecdotes, people really connect more with them. And so that applies to both how you're showing up on LinkedIn and also applies in terms of when you're in that interview is having those concrete examples of how you've applied those skills. So you're really taking the skills and you're packaging them within an example. Yes. Yes. And I think that people sometimes underestimate the power of storytelling, Mm -hmm. but that's what connects you to people is all of a sudden they realize also that, oh, I have those skills. I mean, and this is also the beautiful thing now that people are really focused on, you know, that skills first mindset is that you can be a bartender and you may want to go into sales. Guess what? Bartending has a lot of sales skills, right? You're there to make sure that you're selling the drinks, that you're keeping your customers happy, that you're keeping on top of the inventory. All of those things could be applied to many different jobs. And so that's how you have to think about those skills, whether it's hard or soft skills. It's how have you applied them in the role and how those really will create impact in the job that you deserve to have. It's so true. I mean, connecting the dots between skills across different types of roles, across different industries is really how you can gain the confidence to know like, wait, I know how to do that, even though I've never done it before. That's exactly what I did. I used to work on the magazine side of the industry. And then I spoke to PR people all day long. And I was like, "I, I can do that. I know who's good at their job. And you pitch it that way. Absolutely. So many people look for mentorship. And yeah. I personally, you know, put myself out there as someone who's accessible as a mentor. And I got a lot of DMs on LinkedIn for people asking for advice. But if you are someone who is not comfortable asking for help, or you have never put yourself into a situation where you've cold pitched someone on LinkedIn, yeah, what's the best way to set up that DM to someone that you don't know that you're really keen on meeting or getting advice from? First, I would just see if you have anyone in common. If not, being kind of like when you're applying for that job, the same rules apply here. I'm reaching out to you because I saw you have, you know, experience in this field. I'm looking to make a change. Could I take this much time? I think sometimes what happens when people are asking for a mentor, they think it's like this lifelong commitment. You're not getting married. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. It could be a short term, it could be a one time ask. And I think that it's kind of getting away from that feeling like it has to be just this long term commitment that's going to be so time consuming. You can kind of gather those mentors, and some of them will be long term. I mean, I have people who are, you know, have mentored me for decades, and I have other people who in the moment have mentored me, and it's just as valuable. So it's really thinking about like in what context are you asking them to mentor you? 
it's wonderful when you have that connection. Also understanding sometimes there's not a great connection. That's okay. And you'll find people along your career that will support you and, and have that advice that you're looking for. And, you know, in the meantime, there's wonderful conversations on LinkedIn that you can glean some of that advice. If you don't have someone, you know, immediately that you can speak to one-on-one, there are other ways to get great advice. I mean, there's so many thought leaders to follow, clearly. Yes. What are the top three most coveted roles right now? What are you seeing at LinkedIn as just like a hot ticket? Well, we just announced our jobs on the rise. So basically we take a look at the most in-demand roles. And what's interesting is that there's really kind of a couple of trends that we're seeing. One is, are the roles that really help companies grow, right? So head of you know revenue or chief revenue officers is the number one job. So that person is responsible for revenue. Um, you see a lot of roles such as like growth marketing, strategy. So really the roles that allow you to do more with less. And I think we're going to be hearing that a lot this year. Let's do more with less. So those types of roles are really in demand right now. The other part of this are jobs that really create experiences for employees. So employee experience manager, for example. So what's happened is that as companies have been navigating what's been very unprecedented times. There's no other way to say it. I feel like we always say unprecedented times, but it is, it's unprecedented. Um, Our roles like an employee experience manager where their job is not just about, hey, making sure that there's a water bottle on everyone's desk, but it's like, what is that experience? How do we engage our employee base? How do we really make sure that the culture is coming through, whether it's a remote, flexible, or in-person experience? How are we going to make sure that our employees aren't burned out? Looking at the data to understand what drives employees, et cetera. And then also we're seeing within that same sector of like diversity and inclusion managers. So really like how do you connect with that employee base? So those are a couple of the trends that we're seeing, which is I think fascinating and also exciting to see how kind of as companies continue to evolve, how some of these roles are really popping up as being the jobs on the rise. It's so interesting, the employee experience because companies never really cared about that in years past. You know, it's like do the job, do it well. And that's the end of it. And it's interesting. It's now they have to court employees more than in the past. Yeah, it's courting, but it's also making sure that they're connected to the company's strategy and vision and culture. And so it's making sure that the employee base is really engaged. And I think that, you know, because now you see more hybrid roles or some remote roles, it's like, how do you create that connection if you're not all in the same place? Or if everyone's coming back to the office, they've just been working from home for the last three years. How do you bring people back to the office? So because of this unusual time of companies having to, you know, really think through these pretty tough decisions in terms of how do we get, you know, our jobs done? How do we make sure that we're keeping our, you know, really top talent in a way that ultimately delivers on the bottom line? And so I agree that it used to be like, this would never happen, but it's really cool to see how this has really come out of kind of the pandemic. It's true. But at the same time, and I can see it from both sides because I do manage people, but also I have been clearly, you know, a consultant. So I've been on the outside too. I feel like companies are just dying to figure out how to create that culture and to create that experience. And I think employees 
just want to do their jobs and just be done. Like, I don't know that people want that culture as much as employers want them to want that culture. What would you say? Um, I don't think of culture as we're going to go to happy hour. I think of culture as how we get business done, how we connect with, with our coworkers. It's really more about kind of the experience and living through the vision and the values of the company as opposed to, hey, every Friday we're going to celebrate a birthday. <laughs> You know, I, I like to go to bed early. I also don't like to go to happy hour, <laughs> but what I do like is understanding kind of, it's really, how do we get the workforce really engaged and understanding what the strategy is and really feeling connected to the brand? Because, you know, if you're connected to the brand and you believe in the mission and the vision of the company, you're likely to be much more productive and successful. I totally agree. I just, I think that things have shifted in the sense, especially companies that do want to create those happy hour moments. People are like, I just, I just want to like do my job and go. Yeah. So my oldest child is 18. He's had a LinkedIn page, I think for two years. Mm. And of course I'm his mother. So I get that. I'm like, okay, let's start early. Let's start really thinking this through. But what age do you think like college age, should everyone have a LinkedIn page? Yes, I think it's important because that's also where you really start to build those relationships. You understand the importance of building that network and how you do that. Um, and, you know, a lot of those relationships will carry you through your entire career. And that's the other thing. That's why it's so important to stay connected with people that you've worked with in the past. You know, I just literally... Two days ago, a woman I worked with 20 years ago just started at LinkedIn. Oh, that's so funny. Yes. And it's amazing. And I think what it teaches you is how important it is to have those relationships, how to maintain them, why it's important. And, you know, that volunteer experience, maybe you're, you know, part of the Greek system and you have roles within your sorority or fraternity. Those are skills that you're building, you know, scoop and ice cream. Those are skills you're building. So all of that matters and counts and that I would absolutely include. I think you're so right. Absolutely. So, right. So last question, okay. if you had to put into one piece of advice, what's the best way to leave your mark and make an impact on LinkedIn? It is engaging. It is having a point of view. It is showing up to the conversation and interacting with your community because there's so much knowledge locked up in all of our heads that needs to be shared with other people, right? So it is about really just being a part of that community. And you'll find like, if you're out there talking with conversations that are really relevant to you, you will learn and you will teach others. And that's how you leave your mark. Yes. Also, it feels good to connect with people. It yeah. feels good to have those conversations. So it's not even like a chore, but some people just shy away from it for some reason. Yes. And that's why I just connected with you on LinkedIn. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Catherine, tell everyone about your newsletter. Yes. So I have Career Companion. You can follow me on LinkedIn. Thank you for sharing that. And it's really just kind of giving insights in terms of what we're seeing and how to manage your career. You know, I'm in this really unique position where I have access to all this great data that we have from LinkedIn, and we can really see how that applies to people's careers. And then I also have 
lots of experience, as you noted at the beginning, that I can, you know, apply my personal experience with leadership, et cetera, and really how to apply that in terms of managing your own career. So yes, hopefully it's insightful for people and people can follow it and learn a lot. 100% yes. Catherine, this was great. Thank you for sharing all your insights on Leave Your Mark. It was so fun meeting you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to Leave Your Mark, the podcast. If you want more career advice, be sure to pick up a copy of my best-selling book, Leave Your Mark. If you're on Instagram, make sure to follow at Leave Your Mark podcast to stay up with the latest episodes. And of course, say hi to me at Aliza Licht XO. If you're on Twitter, definitely reach out at Aliza Licht. I would love to hear from you. If you want to subscribe to my newsletter or attend a future virtual mentoring event, go to alizalick.com for more information. And just remember this, if change doesn't hurt a little, it's not change. Keep on rocking.